Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Nehemiah chapter 8. I uh, love this story of Nehemiah. We're going to uh, take a look at it this morning, try to uh, bring some of that forward into today's uh, life that we're living and what God is doing. Uh, last Sunday was the first Sunday of the year. Um, Things didn't work out exactly as we had planned for starting, kicking off the new year. Uh, but I, I hope that this, um, I don't know if this is really a New Year's message, but I want it to be a, I want us to see the big picture. Uh, I, I want us to understand what is going on. And sometimes I think, uh, as the old saying is, we, we can't see the forest for the trees. So I hope this will help this morning. If you found your uh, place there in Nehemiah, let's stand and honor God's word if you were able <clears throat> I got some names here, so just bear with me, all right? Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 1. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon the pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Methaniah and Shema and Aniah and Urijah and Hilkiah and Messiah on his right hand and on his left hand, uh, Padiah and Mishia and Malachi and Hisham and Hashbadana and Zechariah and Meshalem. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it up, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up of their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Let us pray. Lord, you know my heart this morning. I am just, Lord, thrilled beyond words. Lord, how I thank you for all that are able to be back. Lord, you know my heart has long to be with them, and Lord, I've missed them so greatly. And Lord, how thankful I am for every single individual that is here. And Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how this message has spoke to my heart. 
And I pray, Lord, you get me out of the way. Lord, let me not hinder. Lord, let them see you. Let them not see me. God, may this message be eye-opening to all of us, I pray in Jesus' holy name. And amen. <clears throat> you can be seated. <clears throat> so if you have the notes or uh, uh, on the screen, I would like to talk about assimilation. Uh, probably not a word we use a whole lot, right? Uh, I'm not even really sure what made that word come to my mind, uh, other than the Lord just kind of made me start thinking about it. But I'm a little bit, you know, I'm not a geek like uh, like CJ and, and some of the guys who are on computers all the time, but I am kind of a geek where I'm fascinated by certain things. And I got to study in just the definitions of this word. was just absolutely amazed of it. It's actually an old Latin word. It, it means, it started out to mean, uh, and they kind of even changed the spelling, but it started out to mean toward similar. And we come to assimilation now. The French took it over and, and they kind of uh, made it, used it for a different thing, but the dictionary term that, that, they, that they have for the word assimilation is the process of making things similar. That's not too complicated. Anybody here can't understand that? It's the process of making things similar, but I would remind you it is a process. <clears throat> so this uh, I, could, I could bore you with a whole lot of uh, information I found on this word assimilation because it was fascinating to me. But let me just uh, share with you what, uh, how someone broke this down. Uh, uh, some, um, I believe this was a psychologist broke this down. Uh, so the word assimilation, it is to take new information in and fitting it with existing views and then combining both to come up with a new view. Isn't that how all of us learn? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Isn't that how all of us learn? See, anything that you, whether, whether, whether you're at work, wherever you're at, anything you learn, you lay that down on what you already know. And then you decide to change a little, to change a lot, how you're going to do. So, so I would like for you to imagine with me, me and Renee are going to move to France and we're going to live there the rest of our lives. All right. Now we go over there and we have been Americanized, right? We think like Americans. We, we, um, our culture is like Americans, not only that, but we were raised by our parents. But as we go to France, they begin to teach us things about France. And we have to assimilate. We have to take that new knowledge, put it with our old knowledge, and, and, and begin to assimilate that, that knowledge. Now, how many of you know that if we went to France in a week's time, we would not be like everybody else? They would say, those guys are Americans. Right? And we could try as hard as we wanted to, but at the end of the day, they'd still say they just don't fit in here. <laughs> they act like Americans. But how many of you know that if me and Renee were to go and live in France for 40 years, there might be some who say, I can't tell the difference between them and us. Now you say, what in the world does that have to do with church? Well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. But if you follow the illustration, it is taking a little bit of information, adding it to what you have, and it changes. And then adding a little more information to what you have, and it changes. And adding a little more information, and it changes. And after time, a process, you become similar to what you're being exposed to. Make sense? All right. <clears throat> 
So let's look at the story of Nehemiah. If you're not a Bible reader, let me tell you a very long story in a very short time. So Israel has sinned against God. They had a great, huge uh, uh, empire, uh, the, the kingdom of Israel. Uh, they, they, had, they were rich, and they had all these great things. They sinned against God, so God sent an army and literally destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the walls, uh, took Israel away, and took them into a foreign land. Nehemiah is living after uh, they, they have been carried away. Uh, Nehemiah has actually rose to a position of authority in, in this uh, pagan uh, society, if you will. And as the cupbearer of the king, he gets word that the walls of Jerusalem are tore down. He, he hears, you know, it's, it's just a rubble. The walls are tore down. Everybody's kind of sad there. They're, they're not worshiping God. And so Nehemiah becomes sad. And the king says, why are you sad? And he said, well, you know, I hear in my, in my native land that the walls are torn down and they're not worshiping God, that they're in really bad shape. And the king says, well, what would you want to do about that? Now, he's a pagan king asking Nehemiah what he wants to do. And Nehemiah says, well, you know, if I had my way, I'd go back and rebuild things. And the king says, you have my authority. I'm shortening this up, okay? You have my authority. You go back and you rebuild the walls. Now, that sounds great. That's a miracle of God that a pagan king would let him go back. But I want you to understand that now for many, many years, Israel's been scattered all over. They're, they're not united. They're, they've been exposed to all different kinds of cultures and all kinds of paganism and all kinds of sin and all kinds of evil. And now they send the word out, okay, Nehemiah is going back to Jerusalem. Anybody wants to come, come join him. Can you imagine the ragtag group he had? I mean, he has people that they haven't even been around Jews. They haven't been around the Bible. They haven't been around they haven't been around anything. It's just a whole bunch of diversity of, of opinions and thoughts and everything they've been exposed to, and they all come together and Nehemiah is now tasked to take all these people who have nothing in common and get them to work together to build this wall. Now, while he's at it, the enemy, uh, the people there, they don't want him to rebuild the wall. So they're giving him resistance, giving him problems, throwing things at him and, and just doing everything they can to keep him from rebuilding the wall. Uh, so you look at the whole thing and you say, what hope does Nehemiah have of getting all of these different people? You can just imagine he's got thousands of people coming in. They all have different views and all have different ideas and all have different cultures and exposures. How can Nehemiah get all these people on the same page? And what he does is, what God says, he said, get everybody together and we're going to teach them the Bible. I think about that. You got all these people, got all these different cultures and backgrounds and ideas and different things. We're going to bring them all together and we're going to teach them the Bible. The amazing thing is, it worked. Does anybody know, does anybody here, you can shout it out, does anybody know what the word, we say it all the time, does anybody know what the word amen means? Does anybody, does anybody know, do you guys know what that means? I agree. I agree. Amen, preacher. You said, I agree, preacher. When he got done reading all this to all these multitude of people, they said, Amen. Amen. Not only that, but they said, that's a good, we're going to worship God. 
right? It blessed them. What, what is my point? My point is Nehemiah had all these, these people that were all on different pages and he had to get them all together and he couldn't figure out any way to do it other than just teaching them what the Bible said. And this is what Nehemiah uh, had to have been thinking. If God's in this, when they hear the word, they will change. Can I ask you guys, has anything changed since Nehemiah's day? What I, what I mean by that is, does that plan still work? I mean, that was that was several thousand years ago, three thousand years ago. Nehemiah said, "I got a whole bunch of people on different pages who have no idea what you know. They're all in different directions. How can I get everybody to work together and and be on one page?" And he said, "I'll bring them together and I'll read them the word of God." And everybody said, "Amen. Let's worship God. Let's build the wall." And by the way, uh, Nehemiah went on to accomplish an impossible task. He rebuilt the entire wall of Jerusalem, and in just in a few days, it was nobody could believe what he had done. It was a miracle, and all those people worked together against the enemy to do what God said will that work today 3,000 years later don't we need a new plan no still works it's, it's still a good plan it's still a really good plan so so Nehemiah does this tremendous thing of just simply getting everybody to to go uh, get on the same page and 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 uh, uh, here I, I love it says that they were attentive to the word uh, they came to understand it and 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 uh, grasp it um, I, if you look in verse number one <clears throat> the Bible says, and the, and the people were gathered together, gathered themselves together as one man. Do you know that's a common thought in the Bible? If you, I, I did this research, but uh, I didn't want, I didn't want to read all the verses to you. But if you'll do this research, many times in the Bible it says all of Israel was as one man. Do you know what that means? Do you guys know what that means? That means they they have one thing. You might have 100,000 people, but they have one objective, beat the enemy. One, one thing, they're all, they're all like one man working together. That is a very common principle in the, in the Bible, and it's carried out with Israel going to battle. But how many of you know that in the book of Acts, uh, how many of you know that on a day of Pentecost, what does it say? They were all in one mind and one accord, right? They were all as one man. How many of you know uh, that as we study the, the, the early church uh, after the day of Pentecost, the first century, how many of you know that they all came together and had all things in common and they had all had the same word of God and they just were together with one mind? How many of you know that Paul in the book of Ephesians, which is kind of our, uh, our uh, um, blueprint for sand hill is the fourth chapter of ephesians how many of you know that he said uh, do all this until you come into the to the unity of the spirit we're doing church on purpose we're teaching the word of god why so we're all in unity together and can I just say how thrilled I am, uh, um, how thrilled I am this morning to preach this message. I, this is not going to be a message of you, shame on you bad people. This is going to be a message of shouting hallelujah because of what God has done. 
because God has done tremendous things. And, and I want to say to all you brothers that were at the men's uh, uh, breakfast, said, you guys really, really blessed me, but Brother Charles, you started talking and somebody started, and I thought, you guys are going to ruin my whole message here because I already had all this studied out, and you guys started, and everything we talked about yesterday was kind of what we're going to talk about today, uh, but, but God knows what he's doing. But can I just say, we have a lot to be excited about at Sand Hill Church because God is bringing a whole bunch of people together who came from a whole bunch of different backgrounds who are all getting on the same page because of the Word of God. Listen, it is not because of the pastor. It, it is not because of the leadership. It is, because, it is not because of free will Baptist. It, it is not because of grandma. It is because of the word of God. Amen. So it's made a difference around here. And, and I want us to really grasp that and understand that. <clears throat> now, I would like to look at the word calling. And, and I want to give you something, it may be just... Uh, maybe a different way of looking at it, a little controversial, whatever, but but do we believe in callings? Do we believe in callings here? Do you guys believe in callings? Okay? Uh, a little newsflash, a calling is not just for the preacher, okay? We, we hear about preachers being called, uh, but preacher, but it's not just for the preacher, but we're going to talk about callings a little bit this morning. <clears throat> now, uh, if you, it, I, I didn't tell Josh, put this on the screen, my apologies, uh, um, I, but the Third, uh, third chapter, first uh, Timothy, it says, this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. I want to ask this question. Where does that desire come from? I mean, I'm just going to decide, I really desire to be the pastor of the church. Is that what he's talking about? I mean, you're just sitting there thinking, man, I, I, I want to run that ministry. I really want to. How many of you know that is a definite way to get in trouble? Okay. <laughs> how many of you know that's a definite way to get in trouble, right? You don't, you don't just decide what you want to do. But how many of you know God can put a burning passion down inside of you that makes you want to do something, right? And, and, and again, this isn't just for the preachers. This is for all of you guys. You guys do a lot of things around here, and I watch you guys. I see, I see that there's just something inside of you that makes you want to do it. It isn't, that, it isn't that we're making you do it. Tina, it's not that you have to. It's that you get to. And there's just a desire that you want to do it. Who gives that desire? God does. Now, I don't mean to be irreverent. I'm just trying to get you guys working with me here. Is God smart enough to make all of you want to do what he needs you to do? Jenny, isn't that what every supervisor is trying to figure out? How to get all these guys to do what I want them to do? God's smart enough to do that. Is that right? God's smart enough to figure out how to make everybody do. You know how he does that? By a calling, making you want to do what he wants you to do. Now, here's a newsflash. I think everybody already gets this. But the days of Sand Hill uh, of guilting you to do something you don't want to do are over. Okay. If we don't have a Sunday school teacher and you don't want to do it, don't do it. We don't want you to do it. Because God's going to make somebody want to do that who really wants to do it. Does that make any sense? Has anybody been here long enough to see what happens when people do things they don't want to do? It doesn't work. But when God gives you a desire, you want to do it. And the pastor doesn't have to hunt you down and say, are you going to teach today or are you not going to be here? No, you want to be here because your heart is in that. Your calling is in that, right? So there's a calling upon us. It is a desire. So, so I have it as a, a God-given passion, a desire, and zeal. 
Now, it's a really good thing if the pastor has that. But it's a really good thing if you guys have that. Listen, if you guys are here for me, you guys are here for the wrong reason. Amen? Amen. But if you're here because there's something inside of you that you can't help it, that's a good reason to be here. And I hope that's why all of you come to church. I hope you come to church because there's just something inside of you. So, so callings, uh, there, there's a calling specifically upon all of our lives. What I kind of want to draw the picture of is it is, it is a desire, a passion, a, a, a zeal, a, a, a desire to do something for God. Uh, but God is going to put all of those together and they're going to work perfectly uh, together. Anybody went in on this? Anybody went in on this? If you're sitting here this morning, I hope this doesn't apply to anybody, and I trust that it doesn't apply to anybody, but if you're sitting here this morning and every one of us has a calling on our life at Sand Hill and you don't have one, wouldn't you be saying, I'd like to have a calling? Is anybody with me? I'd like to be a part of that. I'd like to have some of that desire. I'd like to have some of that zeal. I'd like to have some of that, oh, that want to. Can I turn that around? Is there anybody here this morning? It's, listen, it's all right. It's okay to make a noise in the, in the church. Is there anybody here that can say, thank you for the desire I have? Amen. Thank you for the desire I have. I don't come to church. I don't come to church begrudgingly. I don't do my job begrudgingly. I don't do what I have to do because I have to. I, I desire to do it. I'm excited about doing it. Amen. That's church, by the way. That's New Testament church. There's a whole lot of other things out of a church, but that's New Testament church is that desire to do it, that, that, that passion to do it. Uh, uh, so, so, so the pastor has a calling. Uh, I, I, you know, a long time ago, the Lord began to speak to me that, that I was to be the, uh, a preacher. And that seemed like the strangest thing to me. Uh, but I love the Word of God. I love the people. And it just become real clear to me, I had a real desire and a real passion to teach the Word of God. And then the Lord made it clear to me that I was to be the pastor of Sand Hill Church. And that seemed really strange to me, and I won't go into all the reasons why that seems strange, but that just, if you were here back then, that just is the strangest thing I could have ever done. That's like, God, you have lost your mind. That is not right, right? Uh, and, and we're not going to go back into all that story, but it, point being, God gave me a desire a passion to do something that didn't make any sense. Young whippersnapper decided to be the pastor of the church and started pastoring the church. <clears throat> and God began to really make clear to me what, why I was here and what I was to be doing and what Sand Hill was supposed to be doing. Sister Chrissy told me this a long, I don't even remember how long it was, it was probably been a, maybe a, a year or two ago, it's been some time back. And I'll be honest, when she said it, I, I didn't, I, I think I just said this, I didn't understand it. But this is what she said, because I, I never heard anybody say this before. She said, if God gave you a calling and he put me in your church, he made me a part of that calling. Does that make sense to anybody? I yeah. See, I didn't quite understand that. But can I just say, she's right. So if God puts you in this church, you have a calling on your life to do what we are doing. Am I making sense at all? Is anybody following me? Is this making sense at all? Okay. So 
I have a calling. I have made it clear what my calling is. You guys know me well enough. No, I'm, I'm not fancy. I'm not polished. I'm not intelligent. I'm not an eloquent speaker. I don't have, we don't have entertainment around here. We're not going to razzle-dazzle you. But I love the Word of God. And that is my calling. Now, I had a dream... And I don't mean a dream when I was sleeping. I just had a, a desire, a, a passion, a zeal <laughs> a long time ago. Uh, and, and, and I say that because sitting here this morning, it's, my dream has come true. But I had a dream 15, 20 years ago that seemed very unlikely. It seemed very offensive. Because I'd never seen it done before, particularly at Sand Hill Church. But my dream was to have people here that weren't from Kentucky. Can you believe we'd say that? And, and please don't take offense when I say this. God, help me. I'm, I, please help me say this right. I had desired to have different ethnicities here and different races here and different backgrounds here and different people from all different places here. Now, if you know a lot of churches, uh, you're either like us or you're not like us. And if you're not like us, you're not welcome here, Right? And God said, that's not the kind of church I want to build. I want to build a church where everybody can come in. And over the years, we had people come in, and, and Brother Ross shared with us just that he was very uh, transparent, but he, he showed that he was raised Catholic. He come to Sand Hill Church. He's not one of us. He doesn't fit in. What's he doing here? Right? No, no. And this is what Ross said. Is kind of, this, is, this is assimilation. He said... There's a big difference between the way I was raised and what you guys do. Big difference. Assimilation. So Ross heard something, but he had some views he had before, and then he changed a little bit, and then he heard some more, and then he changed a little bit, and then he heard a little bit more, and now he's assimilating. Am I making any sense? Am I making any sense? That, that's how this process works. Now, we've had a bunch of people now come in that with, uh, you know, we, Brother Tom shared with us yesterday uh, that he, you know, uh, Ross said, I was raised Catholic. Tom says, I wasn't raised anything. Right? So I was thinking about this. Uh, I was thinking about this. A lot of, most of you here, you look at the Hines and you see how the Hines are. Let me let you a little insight. They had to be assimilated. They had to be assimilated. They came in, didn't know anything. Now they, they really came in really loving the Lord. But I and they've never they've never told me this, uh, they don't want to hurt my feelings. But I am sure, especially in those beginning days, years and years ago, I'm sure they thought, has that man lost his mind? What is he preaching? But they took the the what they were given and added it to what they already knew, and they processed it, and it changed. And then they changed, and then they changed until they became what they are now. Am I making sense to anybody? And, and I could go, I'm not going to take time to try and illustrate it. Uh, Brother Richard told us that they have been here. What did you say, Brother Richard, 12 years? Something like that. They've been, I remember the very first time Brother Richard walked in the door. I remember so very, very well. And they came in, and no doubt, they came from a different background, different way, different, uh, everything different, and they begin to hit thing. And they stayed, and they become assimilated. Right? Terry and Wilma, I mean, we just go on and on and on, all the different families, all the different ones. Can I just say this here? And, and I, I hope you guys get this right. So we, we can talk about the Hines, we talk about the Butlers, we talk about uh, all the different families that have come in. <clears throat> what about Charles? What about Georgie? What about Tina? Sister Dot? Mine and Karen? 
Can I tell you that there were, but Charles, we talked about this yesterday, but can I tell you there were some things we've been taught that weren't right? And so information is given, but I already believe this, so I take some of the new information and have to get rid of some of the old information. And over time, listen, we're not here trying to build a free Baptist church. I have no desire for that. We're not here trying to build a, a southern church. We're not here trying to build a church grandma's happy with. I'm not here trying to build. I want a church that is built on thus saith the word of God. Amen. And what we have here is so exciting. We have people who have been here way before me, before I was pastor, who have assimilated. We have people who have come in new since I've been here who have assimilated. We have people who have come in from other religions who have assimilated to where we are. We have people who have come in from nothing before this who have assimilated to where we are. But just like in Nehemiah, God's taking a whole bunch of people from a whole different bunch of directions and putting them together with a common purpose and goal. And can I tell you, you can't beat that. I say it all the time, and I, I don't know what you guys think about this, but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun going to church when the church wants to be there, and they love what we are doing, and they're behind what we're doing. Me and Josh have, and I don't know if I should say this publicly, but me and Josh have this conversation, uh, kind of uh, th thinking about things we're going to do in church, and it used to be, you know, we'd have to bring it before church, and we'd have to fight about it and argue about it, and this one be against it, and this one be against it, and this, that, and the other, and everything, we might not get to do it. But Josh said, this is what Josh said, if we're going to plan something, they already want to do it. Let's just figure out what to do it, <laughs> Right? Isn't it great to go to that kind of a church? We're not going to come out here and fight and get mad and leave and do We're just going to say, hey, if that's what God wants to do, hey, we're in, let's do it. What do you need? Amen. Is that fun to go to that kind of church? Amen. That is fun to go. And not only that, I know I say it all the time, but how much is it going to cost, preacher? We'll pay for it too, right? If that's the kind of church we go to. How great is that? We go to an amazing church. It took assimilation. Assimilation. I know that's a big, big word we, we don't maybe like, but it just simply means making things similar. Can I say that your pastor is not smart enough to get us all on the same page? Amen. But God is smart enough to get us all on the same page. God can take the word of God and bring us together. So we talked about the people has been here a long time. We talked about uh, the uh, um, uh, ones that have been here before me, ones who have come in since me. But what about the new people that are here? Brother Kevin and Melissa and, 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 and all the new ones that are here, all the new ones that have been coming in. How does that work? Well, they all bring a different perspective, a different background, a different idea, different thought. They hear messages. Sometimes they think, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't like that. Or maybe they think, that's interesting, but that's not what I was taught. But over time... They become assimilated to be like us. And then the calling is upon them, and then the church grows, and we're all together. Am I, am, am I making sense? Is, is it, does, this, does this make sense? And so God is building. Uh, we're, not, we're not here to build the walls of Jerusalem, but we are here to build the kingdom of God. And, and we are here to reach a lost and dying world. And we are here to establish what thus saith the word of God. And God is bringing us together. The pastor has a calling, uh, but the people have a calling because God puts us together. 
And it does not make any sense. I've been saying this since I was a little boy, but it does not make any sense. The Bible speaks about the Holy Spirit places you where he wants you in the body. It does not, listen to me, we don't have this in San Church. It does not make any sense that God calls the pastor, but he places you here to resist everything we are doing. That does not make sense. If he placed you here, it's because there's a calling on your life that we need to make this work. Amen? Amen. And that's church. That's New Testament church. That's biblical church. <clears throat> so so uh, the pastor has a calling, the congregation has a calling. Those two things go together. Those things work. The calling comes from God. The desire, the passion comes from God. Uh, we, we work together. <clears throat> I don't mean to be irreverent when I say this. It was just an easy way for me to understand it. Uh, but God is picking the team. Which I remember, remember when we was young, we'd, you'd take two captains, and I'll take this one, 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 and now we both got a team. We play each other, right? Is God picking teams? Is God picking teams? Sure he is. I hope it's all right that I say this, and, and I'm, I'm stepping out a little bit here, but, but, but can, I, can I just say, is it fair to say that one day, actually Mother's Day 2020, is that right, or is that right, that God said, I want those two, Steve and Charlene? Well, I picked them two. See, the Holy Spirit places you where he wants you. We can go back to Richard and Brenda. We go to the Barbosas. We can go to, but God picks you. Every one of you, he picks you. You know, say, well, the reason I came to Sandhill Church, it may not be the reason you think you come to Sandhill Church. God has a way of getting you here. You know, Chrissy's, uh, those that have been here for a long time, Chrissy's grandpa came here because she, he was related to Sister Emma, who had been here for a long time. And, and Chrissy can say, well, the reason I came here is because of my grandpa. I disagree. The reason she came here is because God said, I want those two here. Am I making sense to anybody? Is this, is this making sense to anybody? And we can just go all across the church and all across everybody. Everybody, God's picking teams because he knows we need you. I, I've said to so many uh, down through the years, and, and some have passed and gone on. I, I remember so very, very clear. How many of you here, uh, how many of you here miss Betty and Bernie? Amen. Uh, I mean, our church will never be the same. <laughs> our church will never be the same. I remember so very well. I remember so vividly. Um, I, I, Renee knew them. She grew up with them. I did not. Um, they, they called me and they said, say, Pastor, would you come to our house? I didn't know them. I didn't know. I, I mean, I did just uh, didn't know who they were. Went to their house and long story short, Betty shared some things with me and they hadn't been going to church. And she says, we're thinking about coming to your church. And we had a talk, and I think they came, I believe they came like the next Sunday, and they've been here ever since. That's what I always said. I believe it's with everything that's in me. I, back then, I was just a young, young preacher, just starting out. I believe God said, I need those two. No, I need those two. God said, I'm going to give them to Gary because he needs them. She's like a mama to me. I mean, she's like a mama to me. She just, she just want to take care of me. She just, she just want to feed me. <laughs> she just, she just, but she just, she took care. Of me. And brother Bernie, oh my gosh, if you, you could not be around him without loving that man. I mean, they were just so. But my, what was my point? God places us where He needs us to make everything work. And if you want my opinion, all of you, God placed you here because He needed you here. Am I making any sense to anybody? So if that's the case, whether you've been here for 40 years, 
for 10 years or for three weeks, this is where you belong. This is where you belong because God places you here. And then he gives you a calling that fits in to what we are doing, which means a desire and a passion and a zeal to be a part of what we're doing. Now, I didn't come up with this plan, but let me just say, there ain't no better way to build a church. No more guilt trips. No more beating you up. No more telling you how bad you are. This is what God says. If you're on the team, let's do it. That is, right? If, I, if, if you're on the team, let's do it. If you got picked to be on Jesus' team, who wants to be on Jesus' team? Who wants to be on Jesus' team? If you got picked to be on Jesus' team, we're going down to Castaia and we're having a nativity scene. If you're on the team, you better be on the field. And everybody says, I'll be there. Not because I'm guilted into it, because I don't want to miss out on what God's doing. Is anybody following me? That's how church works. That's how church works. And it's so much fun to be the pastor of that kind of a church. And it's such a joy. And you guys are such a joy. And so we are picked by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> it takes time to assimilate. I kind of messed up the outline, I guess. I already did to look back and look forward. But there is excitement and privilege to be on the team. I don't think I really need to spend a lot of time here, but just, just, let's just clarify this and make it real clear. Talking about assimilation. Um, we've had people come to this church, and I, and I think you guys are great. We, we talked about this yesterday. Uh, Brother Charles, I really appreciate your comments yesterday. They, they were really such a blessing to me. They, 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 they really meant a lot to me what you said yesterday. But I want to say this. Um, we've had people, and we will again have people, who have come into this church again, from whatever background, they might be living like the devil, but they do not know they need to be saved. Whose job is that to fix? It's God's job. It's not your job. It's God's job. Well, we need to, we need to just beat them up, make them feel bad, and preach hellfire and damnation, and, 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 and no. If they keep coming, they're going to figure out that they don't have something we have. See, not everybody was raised to understand that they need Jesus. I work with a bunch of guys now. Guys are very good to me, as I've said many, many times, but I work with a bunch of guys. And i just be real honest. I think every single person in that place thinks they're going to heaven. I don't think there's one of them that thinks they're not going to heaven. I think they all think they're going to heaven. And my guess is if they all come to this church, they, they'd sit there and, and shake their head yes and, and, and go on and go out here and not have, and we'd say, oh man, I hope they get saved. They don't have a clue. They even need to be saved. Is anybody with me? How you know, how, what happens? We have to assimilate them. But after the word of God is preached and is preached, and if they come and if they come and if they come, one day they'll say, you know, I don't have what Brother Charles has got. Preacher, what's missing? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you about my Jesus, right? Let me tell you about my Jesus, what he did for me, he can do for you. And then you get saved. Now, how many of you know, we don't have this problem around here. Thank, thank God we don't have this problem, but just, just, just making this all clear. How many of you know that after people get saved, they still sometimes do things they ought not to do? Right? Whose job is that to fix? It's God's job. Right? 
Because, see, we're going to have, we want people with, we want people who've never been raised in church. We want people who've been raised in different denominations that were maybe wrong. We want people that, we want people from every possible walk of life. That's what we want here at this church. And when they come in, they may genuinely give their heart to the Lord, and they might still do some things they shouldn't do. You know what we're going to do? We're going to preach the Bible. We're not going to compromise on sin, but we're going to love people right where they're at. Amen? And, see, I have a very, 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 very strong, strong, strong conviction and faith that this is enough. This is enough. If you're lost and on your way to hell, I don't have to beat you up with hellfire and damnation. This is enough to get you to heaven. If you're saved and doing some things you shouldn't, I don't have to, I don't have to come and babysit you. This is enough to get you straightened out. If you've been on the way for a long, long time and still ain't where you're supposed to be, this is enough to straighten you out. Can I get an amen? Can I get, this is enough. I don't have anything else to offer you guys. Preach the word of God. Our, our, our vision statement, it's simple, it's simplistic. It's just like me. Uh, preach the Bible. Live the Bible. Bring other people to Jesus. Teach them to live and learn the Bible. And then repeat it again. It's just that simple. We're going to preach the Bible. We're going to teach others about, the, about Jesus. We're going to live it out in front of them. And as others come in, they will just assimilate to be like us. Paul said, uh, uh, follow me as I follow Christ. You know what that means? When Paul stops following Christ, don't follow him no more. Right? I don't want anybody following me, but I do want you following this. I, I'm just a newsman. I, 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 I'm no different than your mailman. I, the, the mailman doesn't, print, doesn't write the letter and then put it in your mailbox. The mailman just brings the letter and puts it there. I don't make the messages up. I just give them to you guys. Don't, don't look to me. Look to Jesus. But I believe the Holy Spirit can, can show you that this is the Word of God and that you need to change. And then we assimilate. We assimilate. And then we become unity, and then we work together, and then we have an awesome church. And, and, and boy, praise God, how, how exciting is that? This ought to be obvious, but let me just go ahead and give you the third point. The calling is fixed in heaven. We don't change what God has called. So I'm going to get up tomorrow morning. I'm going to say, God, um, I have decided I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be the trustee. Right? <laughs> I think that would work out. Do we get to change our calling as a church, we don't get to call, change God. As a person, you don't get to change God. I hope that everybody here, listen to me. If, if God would say, I'll give you a billion dollars, a billion dollars tomorrow, if you change your calling, I'd say, you can keep your billion dollars. I'd rather have what I have. Okay? And I hope every one of you feel that way. But listen, we don't get to change our calling. If God has placed you here, you can try and go somewhere else. It won't work. It won't work. Is it be with me? If God has placed you here to do a job and you don't do that job, there's no other options. God has a calling for you. Am I making sense to anybody? There's only one Charles in our church. You can't be him. He can't be you. But how many of you are thankful we have a Charles in our church? Every one of you. Sister Joyce hadn't been here in some time. Well, I tell you, what, I missed her so bad. I, I really, I'm honest, I just missed her so bad. I can't understand it. Can I tell you, church is not the same when Joyce is not here. There's only one Joyce. There's only one. 
nobody can be what she is. Listen, the smartest person in this church, the most spiritual person in this church, the person who's been here longest, the, the person who, whatever else, you cannot be Joyce. Is anybody getting this? And I could, I could go over this whole church. Listen, don't get mad because I didn't call your name, okay? We're not that kind of church, right? But everybody here is important. And you bring to this church something that nobody else can, and you don't get to change your calling. And I really hope everybody's with me. You don't want to. You don't want to because you're thankful for the calling you have. <clears throat> Yielding brings joy, resisting brings grief. I think that's pretty common sense. I think that's pretty easy to understand. I hope this made sense to you. I, I am beyond thrilled at, at what God is doing. I am beyond thrilled at what God is, is going to do as we go forward and as more people come in with all different various backgrounds. Um, you know, I've... Believe it or not, I remember when I started preaching this years and years ago. I used to preach that if a prostitute comes in, we're going to love her. Homosexual couple comes in, we're going to be good to them. If a, you know, whatever, whatever problem comes in that door, if a drug addict comes in, we're going to love them and we're going to get them to Jesus. Can I tell you there were some people who didn't appreciate that? And you know what the thought was? That's going to make my church look bad. Well, first of all, it ain't your church, and it ain't going to look bad if it's getting sinners to come into it. But I don't think that there's anybody feels that way now. I, I really have enough confidence in you guys. If we had, if we had the, the worst of the worst walk in the back door, I think all of you would love on them and treat them like gold and welcome them in and do all we possibly could to get them to Jesus. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we made together and embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.